The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Empower Radio presents The Miracle of Healing with Lisa Campion. Meet healers, learn different modalities, and hear empowering stories of people on their healing journey. The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Lisa Campion. Hello, I'm Lisa Campion, and this is The Miracle of Healing on Empower Radio, where we come together every week to discuss all kinds of healings. And I don't know, that we need that more now than ever. I keep saying that every week, and then it gets more and more that we need it. Um, so if you're new to my show, I just want to welcome you in. And if you've been coming along the ride for a while, I'm so glad to see you back. Um, so what would happen if two people who are living far apart from each other got together, started meditating, and discovered that they had all these past life prior connections that led them on this amazing spiritual journey of discovery, both for themselves and for understanding the nature of the universe. That's what's going on with our guests today. So we have Dr. David Bettenhausen and Carla Bogney-Kid, who have kind of like, you know, their fate, their destiny brought them together so they could um, learn to meditate together and that opened up this whole entire world of understanding reincarnation, God, spirituality, how we grow and fit and evolve through the process of reincarnation. What an incredible um, topic. So um, welcome to the show, Dave and Carla. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to meet you, Lisa. So um, what a unique and amazing story that the two of you have. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what happened that to take you sort of out of the or ordinariness of life and onto this amazing spiritual journey? Sure. It, uh, quite a few years ago now, it's actually seven or eight. Um, we started electronic medical records in our office and it stressed me to uh, being a grouchy old doctor. And Carla came up one day and said, you know, we've got to do something counseling or something with you to make you calm back down to your normal happy self. And she says, we should try meditation. And you can tell her a little bit where you found so it. So I um, actually was reading in a very unlikely publication, AARP, about <laughs> the benefits of um, meditation. And, you know, immediately I thought that would be something we could do as an office. So I brought it into Dave and I said, what do you think? Can we do this before the patients start arriving in the morning? And it's either that or I'm calling a counselor. He's usually a cross between Yogi Bear and Fred Flintstone. And he said, no, let's try meditation. So we did. <laughs> And the first day, it was the whole office, and we talked about how difficult it is to really, truly shut your mind down to meditate. And then the second day, we all saw colors and, and how peaceful. Uh, we listened to music, and uh, we were in the break room. Uh, the candle was lit. And the third day, the girl said, eh, we don't want to come in at 730. Um, so Dave and I decided we would just do it ourselves. So we did on that third day, and we got a little bit more than we were expecting than just um, peace and calmness and tranquility. 
And on that third day, I was sitting there with Carlin. It was peaceful, calm. We heard the patients coming in, so we jumped up and started getting really ready. But I had to stop in her office real quick and just tell her, Carly, you'll think I'm a crazy man, but I would think I was talking to your mother. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me like, really? I said, no, I was talking to your mother. She was very happy, jovial, reminded me of you from a side view. And she kept showing me a shoe. So I should say that Dave never met my mother. She had passed away 18 years before then. Wow. So, yes. So I went to the computer and I Googled ballroom shoes. And about 60 or 70 pair popped up. And I said, which shoe did she show you? And he went over and pointed to the exact shoe that my mother always wore. It was a short pump, open-toed sandal. She had worn them her entire life for ballroom dancing, for church, and if she was dressing up. So for him to get that was amazing. And then my sister was also working in our small office. She went in the back, brought up her purse with her wallet, had a picture of my mother, turned it around to Dave and said, is this who you were talking to? And he got very emotional. And um, he said, yes, that was her. So that started me off thinking maybe I was losing my mind, but at least it was sort of some confirmation there. So I was like, all right. And they all wanted to know if they could meditate again real quick because they wanted to talk to their mother. (laughs) But of course, we kept meditating and Just a few more days later, another woman appeared, and her name, she told me, was Isabella, which was different because her mother hadn't talked to me to start with. And Isabella said, well, I've been with you for 6,000 years. And I thought, okay, I'm really losing it. In all of this, we started doing lots of reading and research. And first of all, as a physician, the meditation thing, because it was it helped me like almost immediately. I started to be more happy. So I was looking into meditation and I found that it lowers blood sugar. It lowers blood pressure. It it increases dopamine and serotonin, which is the same drugs we give people when they're depressed. It, you know, causes calming. It makes people perform better at their jobs. It lowers stress. So it lowers, lowers the cortisol enzyme. The first year we were meditating, I lost 104 pounds. Wow. So I knew the meditation had benefits. So that's good for people to know if whether they connect anything spiritually or not, the meditation alone is good for their health. The next thing that started to happen was I started getting bits and pieces of pictures. And I've actually got a picture to start with in in, in a memory from something that happened in 1962 in this life. Hmm. And in this life, my dad was going back to graduate school. He had gone to the service for the Korean War. He had the GI Bill and we lived in Nebraska and dad drove us all the way across the country to Boston to go to graduate school. I was three and I had this memory of running on the beach in Boston, screaming and yelling. I could see little Ferris wheels and I could see roller coasters. Fantastic Nantasket Beach. I grew up in Boston too. <laughs> you did. It was yeah. actually Revere, but yeah, Revere was a Revere, Revere Beach. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in Newton, so a little bit west of Boston. Right? Okay. Yeah. So I saw this beach and I didn't know what it was, but I'm telling Carla in the memory, she goes, It's Revere Beach. And I'm like, Oh, really? And I'm running on the Whoa. beach. And I said this because Carla was from Boston. 
So I'm like, okay. So I, I'm telling her this story and I'm running on the beach and this little girl pushes me down, sits on my chest, kisses me on the forehead, jumps up and, sh and sh screams at me with her hands on her hips and says, please be quiet, you're bothering my family. And I'm laying on the sand thinking, why did this little girl push me down? And I'm looking up at this little girl with this little tiny pot belly and <sighs> this blue two-piece ruffled bathing suit. And I'm telling her this, the memory, and she looks at me. And the chills ran up my spine. And my sister and I simultaneously said, when were you in Boston? We have worked with you since 1998 and you have never mentioned it once. And then he, you know, was just confirming more of the story, but I never forgot that because I was the youngest of six girls, good Catholic family. Um, my parents were always splitting up and never quite got divorced. But on that particular day, we were not well off. We didn't have a car. Um, my father went to two cabs and he took us all down to the beach. But for whatever reason, when we got there, I didn't have my bathing suit. Normally I would have inherited one from one of my sisters. I was the youngest. And um, we went across the street to one of those little souvenir shops and they really could not afford to, but they bought me my first brand new two-piece blue ruffled bathing suit and it was etched in my mind forever. So wow. that day it was like, wow. Yeah, so this already started us on, a, cause this is all happening during meditation. And what was that like? I mean, being a doctor and sort of science minded and unfolding all these psychic experiences. Well. It, it was concerning over time. Um, I can tell you, I started looking for anything that might tie into that. So of course, consciousness and all of those kind of things tied into that. When we had another memory that I shared during meditation, that's what really got us on the, on the path. And in that memory, I was standing in an alley. It was a dark alley and I looked across the alley and Carla was standing there. Now I say Carla, but it, it wasn't Carla exactly. She was reminded me of Carla, the same steel blue eyes, certainly young, but she had her hair slicked back and she had this little gold band on her head and, and a ruffled flapper kind of fringed skirt on and two large flashes went off. And then I felt myself shot in the chest and it threw me back on the ground. And I knew I was laying there and dying. The next day I meditated again, and I got more of the story. And during that meditation, I realized that I had met this woman who was dressed like a flapper at a wedding of a man named Angelo on the 10th of January, 1925. Wow, wow. such detailed information. Well, the next day after the wedding, we went to breakfast together. And during that part of the memory, I took her for a walk along the course of the Chicago coastline. Now, neither one of us are from Chicago, but we went along the coastline. It was freezing. We both had big winter coats on. She was clinging because it was cold. And she was telling me how she moved from Bullock, Georgia to Chicago to become a singer and a dressmaker. And that her name was Ruby Donaldson. <laughs> and her father's name was James. So I'm telling Carla all these parts of the memory and she's and curious of, and of course you know when you for those people that have memories that are very far back there's no way to corroborate them but for this one it wasn't that long ago 
I got onto Ancestry.com. I did indeed find Ruby Donaldson, born in 1904 to James and Anna, one of 11 siblings. And luckily, Isabella had given him all of those things, confirmed it all with his spontaneous memories. Wow. And, and then I went on to find newspaper articles from the wedding of Angelo Jenna to Lucille Spinola on January the 10th, 1925. There were pictures of the wedding and their wedding cake. And during Dave's memories, Angelo was Ruby's boss. They, she worked in a speakeasy with him. So we did not know this. We're not gangster mobster aficionados, but no. he was actually the head gangster right before Al Capone. Oh my gosh. So we were able to corroborate that. So, of course, we kept journaling and we kept writing everything. And so Isabella comes in again and says, well, that's one of your past lives. And you've had many. And we found out later that I had had 42. Carla had had 34. And we had found 29 of them together. And then by our experience in this life, we realized well, we were drawn together somehow as kids, even though we didn't know each other, and then drawn back again together in the office where we worked. In Ohio. In, in Ohio, even though I was from Nebraska and she was from Boston, mm -hmm. we ended up again in the same place. So we had ended up together many, many times over 6,000 years. Oh, that's incredible. And that, and this whole journey not only sparked your connection to each other and the growth that that brought you, but also gave you a much broader picture into the universe. And you've written quite a few books, um, right. and they all seem, they're all amazing. I, I think everyone should go out and, and check them all out. Um, but they all sort of give this viewpoint of how we learn, how we evolve, and how we grow. Yep. So, and... and so the main lesson we learned in all of them was that the real five easy lessons, which are live a life without conceit, selfishness, jealousy, unforgiveness, and make every choice and intention based on love, hmm. which is a beautiful message in general, which is why we started writing the books, why we start, why we do podcasts like yours is to reach out because really we say karma and I say karma is really an opportunity for lessons. Right. But if you learn to, to not be conceited, selfish, jealous, or unforgiving, and you start to make all choices out of love, two things happen. Your life now becomes incredibly better. And you can get off this karmic wheel where we're on this cycle of returning until we grow to the point where all of our decisions are made out of love. And so when you can get off this cycle, you really can get back to the point where you return back to heaven, God, for some people, Tao, creator, source, Brahman, whatever your term is. You know, sometimes we we make God this little old man. And I think we need a, a little broader vision there. Um, but. Now, God will appear as a little old man if that makes you comfortable. Right. It's <laughs> but, like a little user interface that makes, yeah, yes. Yeah. But to 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 make it an anthropomorphic person, it's that's not really exactly how God is. God is more powerful and greater than that. And and we've actually seen angels, and angels can be very playful, but the first time I saw an angel, the eye was like so immense that I I was like almost scared. I was afraid of them when I was little. Yeah. They would come into my room and they'd be so, so vast and so powerful. Yes. I'd be like, ah. 
you know, and Absolutely. I know that the eye you're experience. talking about, because that's like what I would see. I would see this eye <laughs> and I, and I would be like, I'd hide under my bed because I, they were so huge and so vast, but I'm so curious about your, your experience of this too, sort of this unfoldment as a physician and as Catholics, you both, you, you're both um, grew up as Catholics. What, was this at odds to this create a problem or were you able to sort of fold it into your your belief structure somehow so well for me i always doubted everything um i i had an inquiring mind i it, nothing made sense to me so i was very open i had been to psychics and mediums and so for my mother to come through i wasn't surprised i was just wondering why she came to him and not me mm. and indeed we did find out that my mother's very first miscarriage in this life was dave <laughs> so he would have been my older brother Wow. And um, so she did have a tie to him. And of course, with our soul families and our soul groups, you know, we have found out that my mother and I have traded places. I've been her mother eight times. She's been my mother eight times. And she's been Dave's mother and sister and several other things. Yeah. And and so we kind of go through because our first book was The Gift of Past Lives with Mother Isabella, God and Elizabeth. And again, mother, we met Isabella, we met God, we met. Elizabeth is her spirit guide. Mm -hmm. We met. So that one came in. Our second book is Hell No Reincarnation, which is really where we went through kind of that, what you were saying, that the Catholic upbringing and trying to read through and, and kind of reconcile right. what, how we'd grown up. And it's interesting because if you read from a much different perspective, even if you're reading biblical things, you start to see that in the Old Testament, what does God really do? God makes a covenant with, with the Israelites and they screw up. And what is he? He doesn't suddenly damn them to hell. He gives, he makes a new covenant and starts over. And he does that with Adam, Abraham, Moses, Noah, and King David. So each one of time the Israelites screw up, he doesn't condemn them to hell. And in fact, in the Old Testament, the word hell is never really used. It's Sheol, which is just a place where dead people go. Right. Or Hades, if it's the Greek translation in the Seraphim, and that is the place dead people go. The only other place mentioned is the Valley of Gehenim, and the Valley of Gehenim ends up translated as hell in the King James Bible. But the Valley of Gehenim is actually a physical place. It's the valley in the ditch next to Jerusalem where sewage drains and where the kings and kings and judges of old Israel used to put illegitimate children and other people to death. And they would wow. light them on fire and burn them. Well, that's a that's not hell. It's hellish as we describe it, but it's not hell. And all of those became translated to the word hell. We continued to do more research, and we found that as, as late as 200 AD, Origen, who was the bishop of Alexandria, Egypt, was still writing about reincarnation as a normal part of the, of the faith because it was normal for Jews. And so he, and he also was writing that questioning whether Jesus was created or always was. Mm. And so that's 200 AD. That's, you know, 170 years after Jesus. The church hasn't decided what they're going to do. 
what the actual doctrine is. And it doesn't happen until about 325 and 400. And then they actually go back and excommunicate origin of Alexander because his teaching no longer matches the church teaching 200 right. years later. They kind of like solidified their doctrine and then took out the pieces that didn't match, right? Didn't and, match. Yep. and if you go back to the purity of the teachings, then we find these sort of similarities throughout all this, the, these universal truths that arrive through all of the wisdom teachings. That and all are, religions and all, yeah. yeah. There, is a, there is some God creator. There is in almost every religion, some lesser beings that are with, whether it's other little gods, if it's, if it's Hinduism, there's personal gods, that's not much different than, than a spirit guide, which mm -hmm. is personal. There are angels or, or jihads or something that are close. Um, or even if you go to mythology, we have Zeus and a bunch of lesser gods. All of these are very parallel stories. Right. And so when we start looking at reincarnation, it was easy to start to reconcile. And then if you're talking medically, I started looking at past life regression, meditation, dream states, time between wake and sleep. And we find that in all three of those, we have increased alpha and theta waves in the brain. And alpha and theta waves in the brain occur when you have memory. Hmm. So oh, interesting. So when people wake, first wake up or the time between wake and sleep, they have increased memory. A lot of times that's when people remember their dreams, but they also can remember past life memories. If you have past life regression, that hypnosis state, alpha and theta waves increase, so you have increase in memory. And during meditation, you have alpha and theta waves, so you have increase in memory. And then you look at modular theory of the brain, and we start talking about consciousness and subconsciousness, and memory is usually in the subconscious. And we start to see that we save Everything in our subconscious is either a positive or negative, so that may be a little related to karma, but it also has things that we need to protect against. So example is the first time in life you burn yourself by touching something hot. The second time you touch something hot, you pull back faster. If you save your past life memories in your subconscious, you were shot in an alley in Chicago in the 1925s, you're gonna be a little concerned every time you're in a dark alley because you don't want to be shot again. So like that memory, it's almost like we're remembering who we are. That's what we access. And Correct. that the entireness of who we are as eternal beings, you know, that exist in more than one lifetime. Correct. And so there is no death to fear, which becomes immediately free, you know, freeing and liberating. So we shouldn't fear death because if we're not done, we're coming back. Yeah, and, we don't have to get it right the first time around, right? We get we get all these different opportunities to keep working things through. And if you if you're done, you return back to God Creator Tao Source. And if you look at the parallels between near-death experiences and past life regression and spontaneous memories or the memories that spontaneous memories that children have because we also found that research out there. Mm, yeah. If you look at that, all of these experiences are parallel. So something that is beyond the physical experience, and that is all of these people 
experience a loving, beautiful, empowering experience that occurs after death or between lives, that is incredibly holy, if you want to call it that, or completely loving and, and caring, they all see some sort of spiritual beings or past loved ones. They all report that they really don't necessarily want to come back because it is so beautiful there. So if the goal is to get off this cycle, you don't have to worry about death because you'll either come back or you'll go to a place that is beautiful with no wants, no needs, mm -hmm. no boredom. And as Isabella says, you might even want to call it, you know, continuously orgasmic. That's so, good. <laughs> so, so there is no reason to fear not coming back because it's beautiful when you're so there. So there's nothing to fear at all, really. No. no. Well, well, so this is so, so fascinating. Um, so... Carl and Dave, how do people get your books? Do you you have a website? Like, if they want to jump into the the writings that you've done, where do we where do we find that? Well, our website is thegiftofpastlives.com, and if you want to contact us, we try to answer any emails. Certainly, all of our books are um, available on that website. But you know, after COVID, um, we're kind of suggesting to people if you have a local bookstore, you can order it there because the little guy is hurting a little bit. Yeah, Amazon has enough of all of our money right, <laughs> right now. So, you know, if you can, um, and we have um, a couple of websites. Oh, a couple Facebook pages. Facebook pages. Yes. Reincarnation in Past Lives with Mother Isabella, God, and Elizabeth. And then just a Facebook page that is Mother Isabella, God, and Elizabeth. The other thing we would share is if you look at our books, you can start to see patterns in life. And patterns over many lifetimes. And so things that we start to see is there's a, a group of lives that follow each other once where we're Viking fighting the Scottish and then we're Scottish fighting the English. Then we're English fighting the Scottish. And in the next life, we're literally Viking back into the English lifetime. And we realize that we're fighting on the opposite sides of the same war. Mm -hmm. And so in war, there really can be no winner. You're just on both sides to learn compassion. Right. Those are the kind of lessons that learn when you look at the patterns that occur over lives. It's beautiful. Well, Carla and Dave, thank you so much for sharing this incredible wisdom. I love your story. It's so beautiful. It's so heartwarming. And so the pattern of it is, like you said, so interesting and heartening and hopeful. Kind of a miracle. It it, really it's is. been a miracle and it's changed both of our lives. So we're out right. sharing the message. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and thank all of you for joining us here on the Miracle of Healing, where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Empower Radio. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. 
Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.